Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 38, The Armor of God, Truth. So we'll start with Ephesians 6.13. It says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So what does loins girt about mean? That's kind of old English or ancient language, right? Loins is the area between the hips and the abdomen. Basically, you wouldn't want to get hit by a sword in your stomach or in your groin. Uh, you would bleed to death and it'd be in extreme pain. Protecting that area as a soldier was very important. To gird about means to tie around firmly. Basically, at that point in time, the Roman soldiers had long flowing cloaks around them that could trip up their legs and feet. The Jews did this as well. You'll see a lot of period uh, actors wear the long robes that go down to their ankles, right? So when you gird up your loins, it means you actually picked it up above your knees so that you had freedom of movement. They had a special way of tying uh, the robes back in that day that created basically like a pair of shorts around you instead of having the long robe flowing down. And it gave freedom of movement when you were about to work hard or when you had to go to battle. So you could actually move your legs, you could run, you could bend and lift things and stuff like that. This was basically a belt, is what it's referring to, that the Roman soldiers of the first century wore to cinch around their waist. It was a wide leather belt, probably about six inches high to protect that uh, abdomen area. Uh, and then they could hang the leather strips with the metal on them to deflect or protect from hits uh, at their, at their crotch area. It was the foundation of their wardrobe for a soldier. It held their sword. It supported their cloak in battle so they could tuck it in, tie it into their belt um, to gird up their loins, right? It was also used as like a, a leather apron hanging from the belt to protect, um, like I said, that abdomen area. So this was to prepare yourself for battle. That's the purpose of having your loins gird about with truth. It's saying, look, you need to be ready. Even soldiers of today, uh, American soldiers and, and, and cops, have a thick, rigid belt that they put on over their uniform to hold their equipment, their holsters, their extra magazines for their guns, tasers, canteens, handcuffs, etc. So the basic idea is, as a soldier preparing for battle, you put on your belt because that not only keeps your other armor in place, but it is also giving you the equipment that you need to fight the battle. The biblical parallel for this is when you start with truth, when you prepare yourself to fight a spiritual war with truth, that is the basic foundation of how you're going to fight. There's two truths that we need to talk about. The truth with a capital T, that's the big, big T truth, which is the Bible, the truth of who God is the truth of there is a heaven and hell. There are consequences for their actions, for our actions. There is a moral good and evil. There is a war going on. This is big biblical truth. Big T truth is what I call it. Then you have little T truth, all lowercase truth. This is objective reality. This is all things that are true. Two plus two equals four. That's truth, right? 
And you need to have that basis of reality. And a lot of people want to have a subjective reality. Well, this is my reality. This is my truth. That's not what the Bible's talking about here. Those kind of phrases that people say are talking about perspectives. There's a huge difference between perspective and reality. All right, we'll talk about that in just a second. But you also have to understand that there is objective truth and subjective truth. Reality is what is. There, there is no getting away from it. What is, is truth. So you just look at the definition of truth. Truth is what is basically conforms to reality. It is what is, regardless of your perspective. Subjectively, I can look at things through my lens, my circumstances, my uh, the things that I've been through in my life, and I can see things a little bit differently. Think of a car accident. You got a four-way stop. Somebody stopped at a red light. Somebody else is cruising along really fast at a green light. The light turns yellow. The guy's like, oh, I'm going to go through anyway, and they fly through the light just when it turns red, and the other guy sees the green light on his side, he floors it, and they both collide in the middle. The subjective reality, when you talk to witnesses, the guy that was stopped at the red light might be like, hey, I had a green light and I went. It's the other guy's fault. The guy that went through the light might be saying, hey, it was green. It just happened to be yellow when I went through it. It's not my fault that it turns red. It's the other guy's fault for not seeing me coming when I actually had the right of way. Someone watching from a different perspective might have said, well, I just saw this guy run through an obviously red light and hit the car. And then someone from the other side of the street, another witness might have seen it differently and said, I saw both of these guys go right towards each other. Nobody was paying attention. Those are all subjective realities for different perspectives. Based on your perspective, based on what you happen to see or perceive with your five senses, you In your truth, in your reality, you saw something happen. But the objective truth would be that the guy that was moving through the light didn't stop before it turned red. He was in the intersection in during the red light. And the guy that was at the stop floored it and wasn't paying attention. And when he had the green light, he ran into the other car. They both hit each other. You might find subjectively both of them were partially at fault. Okay, but the objective reality is one guy had the right of way and the other guy didn't at the moment of collision. That is objective truth. Something that actually happened regardless of your perspective. What this comes down to in uh, the broader scheme of things in this war of good versus evil is as a Christian... You have the big T truth that God created everything. It is undeniable as a Christian, you believe the Bible. The Bible says God created, right? But then you have these scientists coming in and saying, hey, the Big Bang Theory. We think everything exploded out of nothing. And because of compression and and gravity and the sheer size of the the mass, the weight of, of the universe was compressed into this one little thing. And then it just exploded on itself. So maybe an atheist perspective would be there was an explosion from nothing. A perspective of what we think happened 
So first of all, is the Big Bang reality that you can objectively look at? Somebody observed it and knows it happened. Well, no. Nobody can objectively say they were there, they saw it, they recorded it, they know for sure it happened. We're looking at the after effects of the beginning, right? So from the atheist perspective, they could say the Big Bang Theory is true, there was an explosion from nothing, and now we have all this stuff. The Christian perspective would be that God spoke and the physical world instantly exploded into being. So the Big Bang could have happened, but the cause was God. There was nothing there, literally nothing, not a giant mass that exploded because of the sheer weight of the gravity of all these objects in the universe. No, no, no. There was nothing there. God spoke and then there was something. And when there's nothing and suddenly something appears, is that not, in human perspective, an explosion? So the Christian perspective could be the Big Bang Theory, but with a cause of God. That would be the big truth, the big T truth, that God created everything. Then the little T truth might be how, the science of how it came to be, which might be the Big Bang. We don't know. So you have to be able to decipher between the Big T truth, that God said it, it's true, God created. And then the little t truth, God didn't specifically say the Big Bang. So your little t truth would be the science of how that is perceived by us. And then you have to understand as a Christian that that is merely our perspective on the little t truth. All right. So keep that in mind, the difference between biblical truth and all other truth in the universe. And that brings us to the idea that all truth of what is actually reality, objective truth, is God's truth. All truth comes from God. So prior to the Middle Ages, it was taken for granted that science came from God, and thus the order of the cosmos could be logically understood by human beings because God wanted us to understand it. So he ordered it and made scientific principles. That's the idea of physics and mathematics and everything else that we have accumulated in our knowledge over the centuries is before the Middle Ages, it was known, it was acknowledged that it came from God. This is expressed in Aristotle's works, Thomas Aquinas, many others. Now, in the Middle Ages, there came a crisis of philosophy versus science, and the Muslims proposed the idea of integral Aristotelianism which is synthesizing together the idea of Aristotle's philosophy and their theology. And it's, it's in another word, it's called double truth theory. It's the idea that what is true in your religion could be false in science. Or conversely, what is true in science could be called false in your religion. And both can be true because you have faith in your God. This is a lie. It is called cognitive dissonance. It is the idea that two things that are opposites can both be true at the same time. And that is a falsehood. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The word, in the beginning was the word, the Greek word for that is logos. It is where we get the idea of reasoning and logic. God says that in the beginning was this entity called the word or logic, and he was God. And by that, he created everything. So this idea that all science and true knowledge comes from God is actually found in John 1.1. So we have to understand that, number one, God exists. This is foundation to all of our Christian knowledge and that he created the universe, the physical reality. And this reality is complex, but it is centered in the person of Jesus Christ, the word. And that is logical. And we have the ability to comprehend that reality that God made. So genuine knowledge is possible for humans. And it stems from two sources. We either discover it through the five senses that God built into us. And thus we have all of science or it's special revelation from God where when Jesus was here, he spoke things or, or God made angels appear to people and tell them things. Or we have the Bible now where it shows us things like the future and revelations, what's going to happen in the end. This is special revelation. It comes directly from God. Everything that is truthful, whatever source it comes from, must be coherent with all other truth or it's not truth. God is the word. He is logos. He is understandable. He is logical, and he built the laws of nature, science, when he created this world. God cannot lie. So all truthful, truly objective reality must coincide or agree with all other truth, or it's not actually truth. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians of the first millennium, um, explained it this way on Christian doctrine, His uh, one of the things that he wrote. He said, Nay, but let every good and true Christian understand that wherever truth may be found, it belongs to his master. And then later, um, Thomas Aquinas and John Calvin commented on that. There's a verse in uh, Titus 1.12 where they talk about truth. And Calvin, John Calvin stated, all truth is from God. And consequently, if wicked men have said anything that is true and just, we ought not to reject it, for it has come from God. For instance, if you have a math teacher tell you 2 plus 2 equals 4, and then you find out that he murdered someone and he's going to jail, do you reject all the truth that that math teacher told you? Do you now no longer believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4 because he's a murderer? No. No. And that's the point, is when something is actually objectively true, it doesn't matter who it comes from. It's still true. The statement that all truth is God's truth is because it is something that was revealed by God or it's an accurate understanding of something that God created. That's why all truth is God's truth. How does it, how does it affect us when it comes down to spiritual warfare? How do we fight with truth, right? You put on the belt of truth. Well, number one, we have to recognize that God himself is true and he cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18. And because of that, everything that God reveals, whether it be special revelation in the scripture 
or general revelation that we learn a law of nature, something about God or something about his creation. We need to firmly understand that this comes from God. All right. That the basis of how we fight and why truth is essential to us is in what is truth and do we understand it? So John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, right? And then if you look down to verse 14, it says, and this word was made flesh and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh. This word that was with God and created everything. When he became flesh, we gave, God gave us his name. It was Jesus Christ. So we know that it was with Jesus Christ himself that the creation of the world happened. That's a fundamental truth of the Bible. And then John 4, 24, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If we don't have that knowledge of the truth, that logic of who the word is and how he created everything, Jesus Christ, then can we truly worship God? No, we can't. But we also have to understand that he's a spirit and there's a spiritual side to that and thus the spiritual warfare that we fight. John 8, 31, then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then in John 14, verse two, it says in my father's house, this is Jesus speaking, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. And then Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know where you go, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Our goal as soldiers in a spiritual war is to bring people to the Father, God the Father, through Jesus Christ. And the only way we can do that is, is if we understand that he is literally truth and by him, we receive everlasting life and through him, he is the way that we get to God and salvation in heaven so that we can be with him forever in the mansions that he's preparing for us because God doesn't lie. He told us that it will happen. That is the truth because he is truth and he cannot lie. So that is the fundamental basis for how we fight with truth. We have to have that understanding to start out, to put on the belt of truth, to prepare as a soldier to fight a spiritual war. Now, how do we do it then? How do we use it? Well, number two, once we have that understanding of what truth is, now we use it. Memorize scripture based on what you're struggling with because scripture is truth. It is the big T Truth, capital T, truth, the Bible. So if you memorize the Bible in whatever you're going through in life, I mean, you can just do a Google search for Bible verses on losing your house, Bible verses on going bankrupt, Bible verses on divorce, Bible verses on facing depression. And, and you will find probably dozens, if not hundreds of Bible verses on these things. So you memorize those verses and then when Satan attacks you, when you face that bout of depression, 
you speak those verses out loud. That is how you fight with truth. It's vitally important as a Christian in order to fight. You've got to have that basis of who God is and who we're fighting for. God is truth. If you don't have a foundation of objective reality, that truth is attainable and worth fighting for, then what are you standing on? How can you fight for what is good if you can't define good? How can you stand for what is true and just if you can't define it? So truth is essential just to begin to prepare for our fight. We need to put on that belt of truth to gird up our loins so that we have the freedom to move, to fight, to hold the sword, to be able to defend ourselves. If you don't understand what truth is, you can't defend against lies. John 8, he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he is a, a liar and the father of it. So the Bible tells us we need to seek knowledge and truth in two ways. About the Bible, of course, truth is essential in spiritual warfare, especially when most of the time we can't even see the spirits that we're fighting. So we must know about our enemy. We must know the truth. We must know how to fight them. And it requires knowledge, right? And then you need to acquire knowledge, seek truth in every other aspect of your life, politics, your job, anything that you speak about. People will not give you the time of day if it is revealed that you have spoken things that are provably false. Why would they listen to you about God if they don't trust you at all? Our goal as soldiers in this spiritual war is to bring people to a saving knowledge of who God, Jesus Christ, is. We can't do that if people won't talk to us because we have been proven to be stupid or ignorant about truth, objective reality, right? So, for instance, and forgive me if I step on your toes, but if I do step on your toes here, maybe you should do some research into the truth and the evidence for things, okay? If you're talking to someone about something and they tell you in an offhand way, you know, that the earth is flat and the Vikings had it right that you can sail off the edge of the earth. Um, I'm sorry, I'm done talking to you. That's just objectively false. We know the earth is not flat. We have circumnavigated the globe both in ships and in planes. We have the space station, the Hubble telescope, um, just climb a tree and you can see the curvature of the earth in the distance on the horizon. Okay. You look at uh, what, what just happened recently, the, the lunar eclipse, right? You can see the shadow of the earth moving over the moon. Literally, I saw it. I have pictures of it. It was pretty cool. All right. What about what are some other objective realities? Oh, the, the, this COVID thing, the last three years, masks. We know scientifically with, tele, with not telescopes, with microscopes, that viruses are too small to be stopped by masks. Yet everyone said the COVID-19, the coronavirus can be stopped with a mask. And uh, even at my job, you'd be fired if you didn't wear one. Here's another objective reality. Uh, people talk about the moon landing being fake. Um, sorry. No, it's not. There, there's so much evidence, moon rocks that have been brought back. Um, I can go into the science behind the moon landing and why the three legs were as long as they were. 
Uh, there's actually mathematical computations as to how how long those legs were for it to be able to land in the moon dust. Uh, math and science and pictures and the video, the camera that was attached on the side uh, of the uh, moon lander. I'm sorry, the moon landing isn't fake. You're you're being deluded by people who who for some reason, don't want you to understand basic truth. There are more than two genders. There's another lie. No, there's not. Genders is not a construct of society. Gender is actually built into every chromosome, every cell of your body. There are two genders, male or female. Now, if you have a, uh, what do you call it? Um, A mutation where the chromosomes are mixed up and somebody actually is born with two genitalia, both male and female genitalia, People say that's another gender. No, it's not. They're born with two genitalia, a male and a female. They're called hermaphrodites, okay? They're both genders together, male and female. There's still two genders. The idea that there can be 67 genders or 92 or whatever the number is now, those are made up fake things that do not conform to reality. Science has shown, even in your hair, If you were to take the gene mapping of your hair, you will see the chromosomes showing that you are either male or female. There's no way to change every cell of your body. You can cut off body parts and and say you're not a male, but that doesn't make you no longer a male. That just makes you a mutated male, someone that's had their body parts cut off. Same thing with the female. You can do a Frankenstein thing and attach a dead dude's penis to your between your legs and put the nerve endings together and make it so that it may actually partially work, okay? You're just a freak at that point. You're not a different gender. You haven't switched genders. All of your cells actually show you in your chromosomes what gender you are, okay? So if you come at me with, with one of those false things, those obvious lies, I'm not going to listen to you when it comes to other things that matter. You can believe what you want. I don't care if you believe in a flat earth or that masks will protect you from a virus or if the moon landing is fake or that your gender number is 42 and you're a they. I don't care if you believe that stuff, but I'm not going to take you seriously and I'm not going to get educated by you about anything that matters. Because you obviously do not have objective reality. You do not care about truth. You care about your subjective perspective and not about reality. So that is why as Christians, when it comes to your job or politics or science or anything else that you want to talk about, that is why truth matters. Because our goal as warriors is to draw people to the truth, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is truth. So if you spout lies, how is that drawing people to Jesus? So Ephesians 6.14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. You must stand on truth and only then can you begin to fight this spiritual war. Until next time, God bless you all.